Welcome back, friends. And before we get started, I have some coaching announcements. Now, we are going to be launching a 10-week podcast contest. That means that we're going to be giving out prizes every Friday for those who are putting in reviews and five stars and sharing. Now, make sure that you screenshot and you share with me on social media. Next thing, if you're local to Ottawa Hall, I have bike mechanical bike maintenance clinics that you're going to want to check out, learn how to patch a tire, change a flat, and then I have learned to group ride clinics. So if you're new to cycling and you're worried about how, how to bike with others and bike safely, this is a clinic for you. And then I have my online cycling skills program. The first one is a four-hour cycling skills intensive. The next one is four weeks where you work one-on-one -on -one with me. The third one is a four-video module download that you can work at your own pace. You can get all the details on my website, sylviedow.ca. Now, the last part is the fitness component. It's hard to be a well-rounded cyclist without weight training and strength training. So I have launched a cycle fitness on-demand membership, and this is for anyone, but specifically, I'm targeting those cyclists who want to be well-rounded and strong and improve their cycling and also into a, a life of longevity. Go to cyclefitness.online and take advantage of the free seven-day trial. Try it out. Check out the workouts. See what you think. Enjoy. And thanks for listening. Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Dao, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. Welcome everybody to another episode of Secrets from the Saddle All Things Cycling Podcast with your host Sylvie Deu and this amazing this amazing friend, cycling coach and Angela Gorn. And here's the thing, guys, that we have known each other for 15 years. And this this little background, how we got to, how I got to know Angela, or how we got to know each other, 16 years ago. So I, I'm thinking it's about 2005, okay. where, yeah, where I had a spinning studio called Cycle Fit in Ottawa on May Street. And I don't know how she found me, but she came in and she, and I hired her as a spin instructor. And that's how our story started. So um, she moved up. Ottawa from Vancouver, and we're going to go into her story in a couple of minutes because I have a, a other things I have to tell you guys about before we dive right into Angela um, and her background. But yeah, I think she finished university. She came to Ottawa from Vancouver. She found me. I gave her a job, and, and that's how we started. So here's a little background on Angela, and we're going to touch on these things in the interview. It's going to be Super exciting because Angela's got some pretty cool stuff on the go. All 
All right, so here it goes. Angela Gorin is a well, uh, well-rounded athletic woman who devotes her time to, in areas of business, sport, and community, for sure. She's a serial entrepreneur, mentor, and advocate for women in technology and advancing girls and women in sport. Woo! We're on the same page. Yeah, cycling. Woo, woo. Um, as a founder of Tap and Go, I was like, uh, happy angle. Bingo. <laughs> Of Tap and Go Technologies, a virtual neo bank specializing in innovative and disruptive fine pack, get this, and insure tech niche market. She and her team are set to launch this summer. So we're going to get into that, but we got more. Okay, over, so with over 20 years spent between amateur and elite level. Um, of athletics and sports of rowing, so that's where she starts, then triathlon and currently cycling. This is a formula for her madness in sport, and this is a passion. That's so much. Um, her, her current uh, announcement is that she will be going after the UCI Elite One Hour Women's Indoor Cycling World Record um, attempt reschedule for September. So this is, we're going to talk about this too. With this record attempt, the opportunity has been presented to create a guaranteed independent film. So we're going to talk about this. Thanks to Amazon Prime on the purpose, uh, purpose of her attempt supporting girls and women in sport. Stay tuned uh, for more of the filming of Perfect or podium, ooh, I like it, breaking records and barriers for girls and women in sport. Welcome, Angela. Oh, my gosh. Where should we start? (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, Sylvie. This is a really great pleasure. It's so nice to reconnect, obviously, in a virtual sense, as we are are still in this majority lockdown, but here we are. I know, you know, like, it's, it's funny because I'm sure we just watch each other like on social media and like, oh, what's Angela doing? And I just realized that she's not too far from me. No, one of these days I'll be able to get do a live um, interview, which I used to, and that was super fun. But here, so we're going to jump into Angela's story. And I always like to ask everybody, how did they find themselves in the sport of cycling because a lot of people come from different backgrounds like she even started from rowing so we're going to hear all about it how'd you get started how'd you transition to cycling I know you're spinning from my studio <laughs> this is true yeah absolutely love I've been a spinner for I, I laugh now looking back but and thanks for the job back in the day <laughs> it was awesome um so yeah I, I grew up obviously on the west coast of Canada so you referenced uh, Vancouver Vancouver Island was home um and I went to the University of Victoria so yeah I had I was fortunate to obviously love sport and got into the sport of rowing in my latter years of high school and then that pushed me into um, the university program at the University of Victoria of course Elk Lake beautiful spot Victoria it is the home for Canadian women's and men's national team. So I, I did my stint there, but it's interesting because Victoria is also that hub for a lot of other national sports. So at the time, Pacific sports, Sylvie, um, was the governing body that oversaw like rowing, triathlon, cycling, field hockey, rugby, 
Um, I think I mentioned, anyways, yeah, there there was like seven or eight different sports. So I, um, I ended up like no joke, obviously when we go to university, everybody's poor, (laughs) like you don't have a lot of money. So you're living with a lot of people in the house. And I remember oftentimes if I didn't get, get room in the car to go to Elk Lake, I'd have to, I'd have to book it on a bike. So, you know, I, I'd get on my bike and I'd haul it to Elk Lake to actually then get my workout in. And so the joke always was, was that I was just as good a cyclist as I was a rower. And I guess like, yeah, like at the end of the day, I ended up and I, you know, for, I look back now and I know that he's passed. But Stephen, um, he was a professor at the University of Victoria, and he notably would see me running and biking and rowing, and he just became a huge, he was a huge prop that loved sports. Long of the short, he said, you need to come out and do one of the Tuesday night time trials or the Thursday night crits um, locally in Victoria. They had kind of like this, you know, like what we do in Ottawa um, with, OB, with OBB, and I know you do some amazing women's events for time trialing. So same thing. I was like, sure, like, why not? You know, I was kind of at the stage 2003, still training on the national team for rowing. And I, Stephen gave me a bike. I didn't really have like a road bike. I had like a clunky mountain bike that I was commuting on. And uh, I went out and did a couple of the Tuesday night and Thursday night time trials. And I did really well. Like I, I had a ton of fun. There wasn't a lot of women. Um, that's for sure. In the early days, you know, kind of early 2000s. Um, but uh, I was, I, I guess, luck be known, you know, we had this outdoor, beautiful velodrome in Juan de Fuca um, that was just built from the Commonwealth Games. And I ended up going out and starting to train on this cement based velodrome with Stephen and got on to the Victoria Cycling Club. And I, again, thanking so many people like Oak Bay Bikes picked me up and said, we think you've got some potential kid, <laughs> you know, or a young lady at the time. And I joined OBB as my first kind of, I guess, cat for um, novice riding. And I won that season uh, going back to like 2005, right before I moved to Ottawa, um, the Bastion Street Criterium. And I did the, the big BC Super Week and did also exceptionally well there with some placements. And uh, yeah, the kind of rest is history. I've always loved biking, but I, you know, I look back now and I remember the start line and you'll love, you'll love this. Like, I remember the start line in Vancouver and there was like Alison Sador and there was Mandy Portra and there was like Lynn Bissett, like all these incredible women, right? That, and I was like this rookie, right? Like I always, and I just remember now, like I look back and I'm so respectful and appreciative because some of those women were out there blocking and, and showing me the ropes and obviously teaching me a lesson that you know, going at the front of the pack and making these stupid sprint moves. They were all laughing probably because now I'm like, what is, what's that moron doing? Like freaking we're all back here having a conversation and they're out trying, oh, let's, okay, let's pick it up girls, right? Like they probably all were looking just like, let's just get, let's get her tired. Um, so now I, I don't know, I look back and I, I love it because the sport obviously has so much community effect and there's a, there's an art and a skill to it, but Um, those are my early days. I, you know, I wish I look back now, the one regret I have is I should have stuck to it and raced pro, um, at that time. And you would, you'd know this, there wasn't a lot of professional women for women's um, cycling, especially paid. Um, so I had a lot of student debt to pay back. And at that time I had a great job offer to move to Ottawa that was going to start in the latter part of the summer. So, um, at that stage, yeah, I kind of took the job opportunity and, and didn't really see the, uh, the possibility of being a professional athlete paid. 
um, that was going to pay off some debt. So coming from a single, single family, I, you know, did what I think any young daughter would do. I said, mom, I'm, I'm going to take the job and I'm going to be okay. And I came to Ottawa and I, you know, how I got to know people was joining, you know, a great position, like at your awesome company and getting to meet people in the community aside from government employees. Um, and, uh, that kind of started me, but I think Ottawa has been great. Like I came here and obviously with the cycling community, um, I just fell in love with meeting people. Triathlon was really big. I think for me, I right away just started to join, you know, whether it was the the cycling studio to the, you know, running room uh, events. And next thing I know is people were like, Oh, can you swim? So <laughs> I kind of, you know, tied everything together. I know I kind of joke, but long of the short, yeah, kind of had the fun stints, did all that, but cycling's always been my passion. I love cycling. You know, I think I get a high every single time, especially this time of year after a full season of kind of being on the trainer the, for people that are listening or watching, they'll probably know exactly what I mean. Like you always feel like a kid going back to being five years old and that first experience of the trainer wheels coming off. Like when I'm in Gatineau park and that first descent down blocks, it's like, you get that, those butterflies that come and you just want to go faster and like get as arrow as you can. Um, obviously we can't do the George as I call it anymore. <laughs> Legally. Yeah, that's right. Uh, right. But I just, I, yeah, for me, I, I just really enjoy cycling and it's been such a pleasure now to meet so many awesome, incredible people um, in the sport. And I think, um, and, and to be there to see how many young girls are getting into it and now the, the opportunities, like I think, you know, shout out to some of the gals like Leah Kirkman, who I know is racing on, um, oh my gosh, Sunweb right now, you know, like, and paving the way. Like, I think the conversations now started to, um, talk about women's equal pay and opportunities and and it's not just in cycling so you know I think that's the the best thing possible and for me like that's cycling's a, a great form of exercise being 42 um I look at this and go wow like I've had cycling in my yeah like I know it's nothing I feel I feel young at heart I don't even care about age but I look at like it's such a great sport because I can go out riding with people that can kick my butt most days that are also in their 50s 60s and 70s even some days like you know and I love it I, I think that this has been it's a great sport I've had some of my best memories in my life by being on the bike one of them's with my mom um, in Europe uh, she retired when she was 68 and she wanted to bike Europe um, from all over like she spent three months on a bike with panniers and I joined her in Italy and we had a full month of cycling together with one of my now actually investors. Um, and they struck up such a great friendship and still over glasses of wine. It's a memory that we'll, we'll look back on for life. <laughs> so I look back and go, wow, like cycling's pretty freaking cool. And I, I hope that, and will, it will stay in my life for the rest of my life. So. <laughs> well, of course, where would it go? Like, seriously. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I feel more natural on two wheels than I do in a pair of running shoes. So it's kind of, you know, when you say those days and it's, uh, it's, yeah, I think there's, there's hard days like anything in sport. Right. So I think when you start to look at numbers and especially now training for a world-class event, again, it's definitely taught me how to pre appreciate the sport and the discipline in a different way. Um, but yeah, anyways, it's, it's such a, it's so great. It's, it, I love it. So that's all I can say is everybody that's listening and watching should, if you don't have a bike, 
or you're not on your bike at least a few times a week, you know, put, put a little bit more effort and energy to get on it. Cause it, it really gets you and it's so healthy for you at the end of the day too. Yeah. And, and I'm sure no matter where you are, you can always find a club or a meetup group, lots mm-hmm. of meetup groups these days of people just getting together and riding. Um, I saw a lot of that last summer with um, our cycling club and just uh, out hearing you know, other groups, like, it was just like an explosion of people on the bike path. Or it's sorry, crazy. it's a multi-purpose path. We have to remember that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I mean, but that, that, uh, you know, provides a whole different slew of interesting concerns. <laughs> but, but yeah, I know, seriously. <laughs> like, it's not a speedway, you know what I mean? So, yeah. all right, we've got some really cool things that we want to talk about and showcase. So the first thing, oh, there's my husband. He went out to Tim. Oh, did he? Nice. He got coffee or tea. Oh, look at Oh, look at that. Lucky you. <laughs> hey, where's mine? You can come over. I'll give you my address. Oh, wait, you have- here, there's the healthy water. You <laughs> <See> over here. <laughs> um, so... You're a serial serial entrepreneur. So every set, ever since I've known you, or well, yes, ever since I've known you, you've been doing something. You've Pretty been much. like you you've been riding all these bikes. You're launching a business. You're over here. You're over there, and I'm just like, what the? What are you doing? And I'm just like, wow, what's Angela up to now? Now I I brought up. Um, one of your past businesses that I was familiar with because that was one that you were launching and that was probably 10 years ago, maybe yeah. more 2008, than 2009. Yeah. So like 10 years ago and that was sock jocks and that was kind of new on the horizon. It was bamboo material socks and bamboo clothing was just up and coming. And I just yeah. want to touch base you mentioned that it's kind of it's been handed off because yeah. that was a really cool, nice sock thank you well and the funny thing is is I always kind of and anybody that's an entrepreneur and I know you you are at yourself so I think everybody kind of sees different opportunities and I learned a lot sock jock was an incredible company uh and it definitely still has a soft spot in my heart and I'm really hopeful that the students that I've passed it on to at the University of Ottawa are going to build it up to be what it could have been and should have been. Um, I think everybody, when you realize within company, you take, you have to, it's a lot of energy and effort, especially retail when you're dealing with manufacturing. And I think I look back now and I was on the cusp of something, A, because you're right, bamboo was this new kind of, wow, like this is a great product. Is it sustainable? Um, Honestly, I loved it so much, but the, um, and then we had the school programs connected because it really was, we built out these socks in the schools. It was to raise money and awareness, like put your best foot forward. We donated sock sale funding to the community arts, sports and academics, right? Me, Casa, Sue Casa model. And uh, mm-hmm. my house is your house. I, I look back, I love it. Like our curriculum is fantastic. And I'm pretty sure these students are going to do a great job of paving the way forward. Because really, for me, that that business was about opportunities for youth to learn from an everyday product that doesn't cost a lot of money for a family. It's healthier than cookies or chocolate bars. Right. And it's about 
getting your feet going like in life like it was to learn about wealth management and like the basic financial literacy so it was to take kind of the underlying idea of like learning and for me that's why I've got into obviously the bigger picture of I know what we're going to talk about but um, I think it was at that stage where I started to see other companies come out um, like Bombas, like these two amazing entrepreneurs, Bomba Socks, Bombas is like a, stands for Bumblebee. Um, they do a lot of donations to homeless shelters. And it was kind of like the revolution of awesome socks. Like I go back to Shopify days, early days, um, which I invested. Uh, but, you know, I was talking to their team about for you. I know, I wish, um, you know, I was talking to them about subscription or like what was like the word subscription didn't even exist. I had parents saying, Hey, like if I could buy a pair of socks from you every month for the next 12 months and they're a different design, I would sign up and nobody even knew like how to, how to do that. So it was kind of interesting. Like I, you know, I was almost like a year or two shy of where I should have been with the launch. Um, so almost like before my time. Because then all of a sudden, right. everybody wanted to have fun-loving, funky socks, right? And the software was yeah. there. But at that stage, um, I had already developed these programs and we built a lot. And I think the resources, you know, I didn't go and raise any money for SoftTalk. It was all, all my own sweat equity and um, lots of things that was fun to learn. So um, I'm, I love where it went. I love where it grew. I had an incredible, young, talented staff. I still have actually one of my staff from SoftTalk with me. Um, with my new company, she came over. Um, so she's been with me for a very long time. And, uh, and we've taken all of the DNA, like what I say is like the fabric of DNA from there was giving back, learning about financial literacy. And I've taken that and I've put it into an even bigger project. Um, again, knowing that it was going to be a very hot market where we were going to start to see financial services technology take off um, and be more mobile and contactless. And that's where you know, I learned a lot from SockJock and I've taken all of that and I've transferred that knowledge. And, uh, and, and now we're set to be at the right time in the market um, and, and go with something even bigger. So it's pretty cool. Uh, well, of course, everything you do is, um, you know, it's a baseline or foundation for moving forward. And I just feel like that too, you know, whatever you do, you're just learning, 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 and it's going to click and it's going to provide to be great information for the future down down the road when you can you know really apply like you said so let's talk about what you're doing right now because yeah. i think the last time we sat and had coffee you were working on this yeah I so, that, like about two years ago <laughs> it was a while it's been a while um, and I always laugh, like nothing happens overnight, especially in technology for anybody that has founded a company that has tech. Um, it always seems like when it goes out or there's an IPO announcement, right? A public offering, it's like, oh my God, where did this company come from? And I now know exactly what some of these founders have done and sacrificed to get to where they are. Um, yeah. But yeah, 2015, you know, like I kind of came back from that trip in Europe. Um, um, with my my first investor and a close contact who had just recently retired from Deloitte as a partner. Um, we were on our bikes in Europe. And at that stage, um, I was thinking about the next move. And I had come up with this idea to better protect families and be, be able to make it affordable to live an active lifestyle. 
So it was this combination of better insurance products for people that were active, but at the same time, combining that with finance, financial services so they could get better offerings and, and save money from the spend they do in that healthy living marketplace. So at that stage, like I, I didn't really know I would be combining both an insurance technology and a financial services technology company, but that's what we've done um, over five years. So it started with that idea, like any entrepreneur does. I had, a, I had a pain point after biking across Canada and being over in Europe and listening to people like, like yourself. It's like, look, I've got, I've got a bike that's worth as much as a car and I spend a lot of money in the healthy living space and I'd like to be able to make it more affordable, especially from families, right? Like people that have lots of kids and they're looking at their budgeting and their tools and you know, the light bulb kind of went off. I said, well, why is that not more accessible? And why are we not creating that collection of people, right? Like banks charge us a lot of money. Like when you look at your monthly statements, they take X amount every single month for your deposits. They, tr- they charge you when you transaction and, and it's your money. Like you're putting that money in there. So it's like, well, why are you taking the money I'm giving you? Like, yeah, maybe a little bit for holding it. But it for me, it was just a really interesting kind of question. And I started to be a little bit smarter than I was in my early sock jock days. And I surrounded myself with people that were more knowledgeable in the area. And I said, Hey, (laughs) um, I have an idea and I think you guys could help me formulate it and actually tell me if I'm nuts or not, like would this work? And it honestly, Sylvie was these early days of starting to see the now unicorn companies that we know of like Robinhood that obviously had a huge game day um, market shift of about eight to 12 weeks ago. Um, the revolutes that have come in from the UK to Canada and moved out, like they're known as challenger banks or neobanks. And, and that's, that's what I got into. I didn't realize that's what I was going to push, but you know, as I started to understand through the leaders and the mentors I was bringing on board to help me structure this program that's mm-hmm. called Athletica Rewards, Athletica Protect, it is our first flagship program um, because we have other vertical offerings. Um, and I just like at that stage, I never realized, wow, I'm getting into financial technology and insurance technology. I just kind of wanted to create, right? Like I just being natural, I was like, I want to solve a problem I'm having. And people I know are having, and what can we do about it? So it's it's exciting now in, in the quickest ways to kind of you know look at it and say, wow, we're like we've built, we're going to be the sixth neo bank in Canada as of the summer. Um, so we're a fully digital cloud-based financial service company. So everything you think about with banking, um, that's traditional. What we do is we work with a bank sponsor. And we allow, we work on the debit card rail through a private card and an e-wallet. So you'd have a MasterCard or a Visa card, debit card, and you can deposit it. You can link your existing bank accounts and or other credit cards. But what makes us unique is the fact that there's no transaction fees. There's no overhead costs. There's no um, travel expenses. You don't have to worry about the card being cut or shut down when you're traveling. You can do open exchange, so it's a lot easier to go, let's say, from Canada to the U.S., and right away, your bank account's now in U.S. dollars. There's no, there's no cost to that. It's just it's an open exchange. So, so there's kind of some of the cool features, but what makes us different is we've connected a merchant marketplace. So we've gone out and collectively worked with brands in the sport and the healthy living space, realizing it costs them a lot of money to try to acquire customers like you and I. 
And, mm -hmm. and we've said, well, look, like we don't know it. We know it's not hard to get Sylvia or Angela to buy bike stuff. They, they love cycling. So let's give them, let's give them some rewards or some cash back for being loyal customers to us. So that's what Athletica does is they've created, we've, what we've done is created this closed loop community of really cool brands that are niche to that vertical. And we've said, look, we're not going to charge you like Facebook or Google to come into our market. What we're all, what we want is when a customer is a consumer of one of your products or services is to give them some cash back. And then that cash yeah. back they can use within that ecosystem. So that's what, you know, that's the simplest way to explain how our program works. And then the algorithm, obviously like technology, it grows. So we can start to understand Sylvie, who you are, where we could help you with better managing your finances or your wealth. Um, some kind yeah. of companies that have come into the marketplace that you might be interested in, not like, okay, I'm not interested in that. Like I, I don't do, do ice picking or snowshoe fishing. And why would you target me with those? Or like, I, I just bought a purse. I don't need to be targeted with another purse. Like kind of like, you know, for us, it's you really do. smart. I know, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Like it's honestly, like I love it. And I think to the insurance side, I, from an athlete perspective, I know like there's been a pain point for a lot of people when it comes to gear and travel and access, especially for people that are not Canada, we're pretty good, but, um, I really wanted to create that on-demand feel. So it's like, you know, if I'm traveling and I want to rent a bike, um, that's similar to mine in, let's say California, I don't have to pay $300 to fly my bike there. I can get a bike shop, get the bike set up, but now I can get the insurance for myself when I'm out riding the bike if something does happen to either myself or that that gear same thing to cover my myself so it's really bespoke insurance products and it's up to the user so it's not this kind of like push sale it's more of a hey here's what we have to offer we know that you have x amount of, of bikes in your garage or snowboards or gear um here we go let's help you out right so mm -hmm. yeah so how many you know so okay now, if I were to decide to, to join this neobank, yes. how, because you said it, it's attached to my bank. So I'm at with CIBC. Perfect. How does that work? Cool. Yeah. So it was, it, yeah, it's an integration. So we work with an API and what we can do is we can connect with third party banks as well as credit cards. So to offer, like with our program, we have, we're going to, when we launch the summer, there'll be a free version and a premium premium. You just get more cash back and there's a little bit like early bird registrations and, and other offerings, but the premium is great for people that want to kind of see, does this program work for me? And is it worth it for me to go to the premium where it's roughly about $12 a month or a hundred dollars a year. So it's not expensive to go up. I really wanted to keep it affordable, but to answer your question, what it is, is it is a full-fledged bank account. So you can deposit and load that MasterCard, the Athletica MasterCard debit card um, with your own cash, but you can also link your existing credit cards and our bank accounts like Apple Pay or Samsung Pay. So we wanted to make it acceptable for people to kind of say, look, like we don't want to force you to have to deposit money if you don't want to, if you just want to link your existing bank accounts and, and do the transactions that way, that's fine as well. So, cause we, we noticed like, obviously in a, in a new technology space, trying to get people to technically bank with us is a, is a big thing, right? It's kind of like going through that environment. Now 
I definitely feel for a lot of families that have younger kids, this is going to be a great way for them to set up an accessible bank account for their child. Um, you know, somebody like, especially a sporty family. Um, and this is our first vertical. So as I was saying, like Athletica is our flagship, our second second program that's going to launch soon after Athletica is called Alexandrite. And it's actually focused on supporting small business owners. So it's solely dedicated to the business founders. And then our third program and our last one that we'll be focusing on is on newcomers and immigrants to Canada, as well as students. So the youth card exchange. So really noticing, obviously, especially international students when they come in or athletes, if you're traveling internationally and you're one team this year over in Europe and another team over in Australia, and then you're back to the US, like try getting a bank account. You're, you're, where do you live? I don't have a, a physical address anymore, right? So that's where having an open style of banking really comes in handy. And then you're not, you're setting yourself up where you've got an established account. So yeah, that's you know where we specialize. That is really cool because it's, it's true. Like think about a lot of athletes that do do a lot of travel across like for competitions or uh, events, you know, yeah. I don't know, 70%, 70% of the year they're over, you know, US Europe, you know, like yeah. or Spain or whatever. Um, now you said this would make it easier to transfer funds to like say my sister in Florida you know like you know like she wants me to or whatever I want to send her with some money so yes. that would be easier because I know that I can't do that right now yeah so this is what's, you got it that's a really good way to explain it so right. well, yeah <laughs> I'm selling you, you're signed up. So yeah, when you think about it, what's really cool is we are gonna be an established um, neobank in Canada and the US. So we work with a bank sponsor in Canada and the US for our licensing through the governing regulated bodies, not to bore you on that side, but what that allows us to do is to do that, what they call in the world of fin finances, P2P, person to person transfer of money. And so obviously regulators always want to follow the flow, which is where blockchain technology, which is interesting, um, comes into play, especially with a lot of neobanks, because we want to make sure we incorporate that learning of where money goes and make sure it's not laundered. But yeah, the P2P. So what's really cool about all of our ecosystems, all of our verticals, is if you're a part of Athletica, for example, and your sister is, it's an easy direct transfer right away. It's uh, also, yeah. It's also a really neat way for athletes to connect with um, a part the, the people that are part of the membership. So, you know, go back to like being a junior athlete and say, maybe now I'm, I'm, I need $1,500 to buy a flight to go to champion, like Canadian championships that are on the other side of Canada right now. Mm -hmm. um, so what I could do as one of the Athletica ambassadors is post my story and let the Athletica membership community know this is what I'm doing. So I could see that post and then I could reach out to you, Sylvie, and say, hey, like I've, I've got about 300 Athletica Rewards dollars sitting in my account for my spend. Do you think we could get together and help this young athlete out? So instead of having to go all these routes and have to donate it to a direct fund, it actually can go right from your rewards wallet right to hers or his, and, and they can actually buy that flight. You can also do a gift card because that's the other cool part. So some of our merchants are going to be Air Canada and United Airlines and all of the flights. So if that athlete's saying, well, I need a flight. Okay, well, let's get you the flight. Let's, let's go buy together. Let's go and buy an Air Canada gift card. 
So because it's a payments company, we have the ability to do a lot of neat features to support the different ecosystems. And you can take that same athletic profile and go over to the small business owner. And one of our main focuses is women in business and female founders is now we can create that ecosystem to support women in business the same way. It's like, okay, well, let's, let's take a small business. How much do we spend every single month to turn our lights on our cell phone bills, you know, um, hiring some staff payroll. So if we can eliminate some of those or put some money back in the piggy bank for those small business owners and support them, fantastic. So it's the same kind of leverage when we look at all of the niche verticals that we've created within Tap and Go. Um, Athletica and, and Alexandrite are really the same program. They're just, they've got a different vertical that they're addressing or a different audience. That's all. Wow. <laughs> I know. Five years in the making, here we go. And I'm really stoked because I did learn that I am the first female founder of a neobank in North America. Oh, that's super cool. So I can imagine like this must have been a huge learning curve for you. Like, okay, like how do you, how did you sit there and go, how do you learn all this? You, I'm still this learning. I, I won't lie. I'm still learning. Like I honestly, I. Things will always be changing, but like that must have been. So did you work with people or did you do a lot of your own research? Like what was, how did you get so educated, I guess, on it? Because to me, I was like, this so far, you know, because yeah. there's, there's so many different moving <laughs> pieces. Well, that's, so that's a funny part. Like, how do you simplify talking about a digital bank? Like, you know, even yeah. my partner and I, like sometimes the dinner conversation, I'm like, don't worry about it. We don't, we don't need to talk. It's fine. And I think that. <laughs> like, no, but I'm yeah, yeah. There's days, honestly, Sylvia, I look back, like I, I, mean, I still like, I think as an entrepreneur, we're always learning. Right. So yeah, I think at this stage, I'm not scared to ask. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I always say to anybody is like, you know what, there's no, there's no right answer. And there's no wrong answer. It's about not being in fear to come out and say, I don't know, and I need some support. So I think what's really comforting in the sense now is there's so much more support to support um, ideas and, and accelerate um, opportunities that are innovative. Um, so, you know, I, I think at this stage, it's, I've definitely got some incredible people and that's it. I, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the team. Like I've got an incredible CFO who was the former CFO of MetLife. Um, him and his wife are the owners of the Maple Bat Corporation Sambat in town. And Arlene, you know, I, I joke, Arlene runs the company and she kind of kicked her husband out because, you know, the husband wife do, you never want to work together. So Jim, Jim was kind of like, I'm bored and I'm really not ready to retire. Although he retired when MetLife sold to the U S after being 13 years there as a CFO. So I kind of scooped him up. Perfect timing. Um, he's an incredible, you know, here's somebody who handled M and a did a lot of uh, financing. He worked on the investment side with the insurance realm and then that kind of spiraled, right? Like then you get the next person and, uh, you know, been, I guess, fortunate enough where people, people have kind of listened to what I've had to say. And yeah, I, I really threw myself into learning about FinTech and neobanks. And I really love, I really love what's coming. I love the being about people and partnerships, which is everything of what I was doing at SoftJock, just on a grandier scale. So I kind of looked at this and said, 
yeah, like I want to be, I want to be one of Canada's next unicorns. Like I definitely, as a company, I, I want to see that there's that we, we reach over a billion dollars and I, I hit that, I hit that bell maybe one day in New York and, and in Toronto. Um, but that we see that a lot of that money is also going back to our people and our partnerships and that we're transparent for the first time, a real transparent open bank. Um, and there's opportunity to do that. So might as well be up to it. And I think there's the, enough people now that are starting to kind of go, I think she's serious. So, and I laugh when I say that, I think, I think they're saying, wow, she's really crazy, but she's willing to do it. So she's willing to do it. I'm going to follow. That's <laughs> Between this long enough, I think this is a legit. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. Like if you can hang on, which trust me, I'm, I'm fingers crossed. I'm, I'm doing my seed round right now and this is a whole new world. So I'm raising a various, technically in the world of FinTech, it's a small amount. We're raising $3 million Canadian. We opened it last week. We're now talking to some incredible funds. Some of them are um, Ottawa based and Canadian. Um, lots of obviously in the U S but I'm very, I'm at a point where one of our major partners who's already been in, involved um, from the insurance realm, I'm very hopeful he comes on board because he's seen how long I've been at this and he's been a part of it since almost day one. So it would make sense for him to kind of, you know, open up the checkbook, as I say, and just come on board. We're ready to go. So it's cool. Well, are you offering this as an, um, an opportunity for smaller investors? Like, do you have different investment amounts that people can invest? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good, so put it this way. We did a family and friends round um, and that went really well in 2018. Um, And then out of that, like now with our seed round, there's ways to, and I know you're quite a great businesswoman. So we do have the ways to structure, say, for example, if 10 people wanted to come together or five people and and create the pool, like we're the 3 million million Canadian, what we're hoping is people will come together with a minimum, at least of a hundred thousand injected to a quarter million. So we're not having to like pool it like a crowd fund. Um, But there's opportunity there. Like it really depends on the group and, and, for me, it's, it's strategic. So I'm wanting to find people that are involved in sport, understand sport, understand business, because that's like the next step is like, like we were talking about this collective, like the women's Canadian cycling collection, right? That's the type of organization, like having people that are invested and go, wow, like you should be going here and talking there. That's how a business grows. It's finding the right people that don't, I just don't want money at this stage. I want the right people to say, I want to be involved. And it's not just be invested I want to be involved so yeah it's I'm I'm super pumped it's been a really neat um it's been a good time so I think it's going to continue to kind of go that way and excited for the next chapter and where we where we take off (laughs) I think it's important to have people because obviously they're going to a use the product share the product um and all that and I uh two years ago I invested in a an AI company out of Phoenix no way. Cool. Yeah. We're going to have to talk about that one. That's sweet. I, I can connect you with the, um, so it's, it's a mentor of mine through one of the businesses that I have and she put it out there and it wasn't cheap, but I know that she's a, she's a multimillionaire. So I know that she's going to be working hard just like you yeah. to make it work. Right. You have a lot of invest, you have a lot invested in it and and you know what the funny thing is, is um, it started out as one thing and it's kind of almost pivoted. 
they like, yeah, pivoted like a 180 to something else. And um, it's, yeah, it's just picked up a lot of momentum. It's really cool to see because I'm like, awesome. uh, retirement fund right there. <laughs> honestly, like going in AI and that's the, like with, um, with tap and go, like one of the neat things as you get in and that's what's happened now is you have to incorporate AI and BI technology because, and, and with us, we put in blockchain because of the importance of open banking. So it's looking at so many more metrics for data and AI is just smart learning. Like it's honestly like it never existed. And now it's just offering so much more. And honestly, for people, like I think the, the day of privacy is obviously a big conversation. So verification, it's I've, I've definitely, I'm very excited to kind of see where the next, next things move on and, and where we grow. Um, and the teams that are out there doing great things to kind of, yeah, make a difference. That's for sure. That's the biggest thing is all of these young kind of companies were, were starting to be a combined disruptor, which is kind of point in fact of what's happening with the markets right now, right? There's enough people that are poking the bear, um, not the bull and, and really starting to wake it. And I think that's kind of, it's an awakening, concept and lots of the banks and the insurance companies are starting to kind of go, okay, we got to start to listen. Like this is going to be an interesting next decade um, to see where things kind of fall, but I'm excited to be a part of this. That's for sure. (laughs) It's just like Bitcoin, you know, oh, that was just a trend, but oh my gosh. Wow. The banks are starting to get into it, like offering it as part of their mutual fund like i was just like oh my gosh seriously wow. like so it's crazy and, like crypto right it's uh, crypto based tokenization yeah it's wild yeah. so and we'll be able to do all of that so we have we have the ability to do tokenization obviously and we especially talking to merchants we can go in right off the get-go and say are you interested to allow token exchange or crypto exchange through mastercard and visa and paypal are the main administrators now for crypto so it's kind of it's fascinating. Bitcoin paved the way for a lot of a lot of the dodge coins, as I call it, um, yeah. to come out. But it's it's going to be a new era, and the regulators are obviously talking a lot as as well. Like I think we're going to see a lot more governance. Like when when the fit like OSFI is the official kind of administrator that oversees all of our fiat in Canada and the CDIC, which is the insurer in the US, it's the FDIC. As soon as all these bodies globally start to say we accept it it's you know i think we'll start to see more country-based coins um come out which will change how bitcoin like bitcoin's always going to have a value um will it stay up where it is Uh, hard to say it's still really hard for people to get all of the money they have out um because it has to be an exchange for something so that's the thing right like you couldn't walk in right now let's say if you had a hundred million dollars worth of bitcoin and ask the bank to give you a hundred million dollars what you'd have to do is try to find a way to exchange it so that's what's happening is you have stadiums and, and companies like possibly like Boeing that will say, well, look, if you want to buy a plane with Bitcoin, we'll allow you to buy a plane. Right. <laughs> well, I know. Sure, you can buy not? <laughs> <laughs> so, and I'm pretty sure there's some people, I know a few young people that have done very well with Bitcoin. <laughs> so oh, yeah. yeah, it's just getting rolling. And I've been approached about a couple of people joining like clubs. Like you affiliate know, style Bitcoin. stuff, yeah. Like, mm, and uh, you know the funny thing, Angela, is that I bought some Bitcoin or some crypto currency like two years ago. Oh, okay. And, Did you sit on it? Yeah, I can't find the password. 
I know no. Angela's in one of my agendas and I have like a whole box. I'm going through them. I'm like, I wrote it down at the back and in the front. And I'm just like, cause I know that if you don't oh, have that, that sentence and, but it wasn't a whole lot, like, but it could be a whole lot right now. <laughs> yeah. Like I was just saying like, never, yeah, you never say never, but that's a, uh, it's funny. You're not, you're one in like a few, a few thousand that did the same thing. I always joke, like there's a few companies now out there that are called like password protect. Like I now save everything on a lock key passcode because <laughs> I'm like with all of the scribble notes, I'm like, Oh my God, you know, you wrote it down. I believe you, but it's like, what's the, how many journals do we have? I have like, I have like a thousand of these things hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I had the last Finally. 20 my agendas. Yeah. Like, maybe so. it's meant to be because Bitcoin's going up. So maybe what was going to happen is like you would have found it when it was at 50,000 and now you're still looking for it and you're going to get it. You're going to find it on the day and it's just meant to be. And it's going to be like all of a sudden worth like a hundred and like 67,000 or something ridiculous. And it's like, I, that much damn it. I know. I know. I'm like, because when I signed it up, he's like, you can't get it any other way. Like, you have to have these numbers. Like, you can't retrieve anything. Like, and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> and yeah. anyways, so that's, I have that. And I'm just, I'm like, looking through each one of them. I'm like, geez, it's, it's around this, you know, 2018. So I'm like, so I have like it narrowed down. But I'm like, did I have another written like notebook agenda? Like, where is that? Anyway, oh, so we can talk it. about this forever. Let's go on to the next thing. So that is super yeah. exciting. So if anybody's like super intrigued about that, um, reach out to Angela. I'm sure she'll take more investment money because there are certain things that are worth investing in right yeah. now. AI's one, like ba new banking systems, another like there's just a lot of stuff to do. It's very, the it's very hot. So yeah, I kind of I look at like Coho and. Um, there's one other stack co and stack just did a round in Canada. There are two, there's five other neobanks other than ours and their rounds were like closer to the 75 million and 35 million. So three, and that's USD Our 3 million Canadians, a pretty nice um, entry level for somebody that wants to come in. So it's kind of a neat, it's a neat way to look at like how and where these companies have gone um, and what we can do. So yeah, definitely anybody please feel reach on out we're we're, we're here we're, we're doing our, our seed round so we're excited <laughs> time to diversify your investment account exactly there you go. all right let's move right. on um now we mentioned that angela she's cyclist and she loves goals obviously like you need something else to do while you're doing all this business stuff <laughs> okay how did you decide to go for a UCI one hour world record and what exactly okay let me say okay first how did you decide to do that like <laughs> um and then we'll just ask like what are you doing on a daily basis to get there and like what's the record that you have to is this on track by the way yes yeah on the track Oh, okay. So I've seen these done before. So what's the woman's track record that you have to beat? 
So the women's track record was done in 2018. Um, it's held by an incredible woman. Her name is Vittoria Busi out of Italy. Um, and she recorded a 48.007 kilometers in an hour um, record speed. Um, and then previous to her was Evie Stevens, former Team USA um, Olympic cyclist. And she came in at 48.002. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I still believe after now learning all of the dynamics and learning how altitude plays and, and the day and the weather and the, the gear you wear. Um, Evie, Evelyn Stevens did her world record in Colorado. Yeah. Naked, uh, shaved and naked. Um, but Evelyn Stevens did hers actually in Colorado. <laughs> we get a lot of viewership. Trust me, if I did it naked, I'm pretty sure we would hit. Maybe I'll have to do that for fun. Clear nude skin suit. I don't know. Any oh, anybody out there? I'm willing to do it. Be the first female I will wear a clear rubber skin suit. Not that it would be super attractive, but <laughs> if it makes me fast, I'm all for it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so Evie did hers in Colorado. There's two amazing, obviously, Team USA trains in, in Colorado elevation. They, that's why they, they do so well, obviously, in their speed. Um, but Aguascalientes, um, Mexico is known as the fastest world's indoor cycling track. It's just at the sweet spot, perfect elevation, just above 1400 meters. Um, oh. The weather's great. It's nice and warm. Um, the air density is low. Uh, so there's kind of like all these kind of like checkmark points that make it just like salt, the Salt Lake Flats, right? Like it just makes it like this perfect environment to get world records. And so I always kind of say, like, I look back, like, at how close Evelyn Stevens and Victoria Busey's um, distance were in the hour. And if Evie went to Aguascalientes, I still feel that Evelyn actually would have had and still would hold the world record. I think she would have gotten over 48.007 based on her CDA as well as her, um, like, her power to body weight ratio, right? So, um, how I got into this, uh, well, I remember quite distinctly because. Steve Haining, who is the producer behind the docudrama series that um, is in the making in and around the world record. Um, he filmed me when I was 36 years old, um, training on the trainer. And the whole thing at that stage was in the course of four years, I wanted to recondition my body. And you know what it's like coming from being an endurance athlete. Like at that stage, I'd been doing some Ironmans, 70.3s. I was doing long distance riding after cycling across Canada. Uh, so I just, I wanted to see if at 36 over four years, I could become more a power engine, go back to kind of the rowing discipline that I had where I could do 60 minute ergs and 2000 meter efforts and build muscle. Um, and that it became kind of like just a time tester. Like at that stage, I thought, let's just make it an age group, um, record attempt. I'll do it in Canada. Um, and honestly, like at the age of kind of 39, 40, uh, I remember sitting down with the, my, my still head coach kind of strength and conditioning coach at the peak national training center here in Ottawa, as well as my coach down in San Diego on the San Diego Belladome track, John Howard and John Walsh, we kind of were looking at my times and, and, and all that. And the guys kind of said, you know what, like, we think you should go after the world record, like the elite women's world record. If we, if we had a little bit more time, we could do this. So it's kind of funny. I look back now. Um, and at that stage, I was like, yeah, like, let's do it. <laughs> awesome. Um, and then the pandemic hit. Yeah, that sounds like a fabulous 
I was like, you guys aren't sweating and trying to get a bank off the, or a neo bank off the ground, but I'll do it. Like, why not? We're already here. I'm crazy as it is. So I honestly, Sylvie, like, I think, yeah, like it's definitely, you know, um, it, it takes a lot and you start to realize, obviously when you train as a pro athlete, you have to, I live with my partner. So there's a lot of sacrifices that have come in to play, um, both with launching a company and trying to break a record. So I owe and my family, um, and my friends, like everybody, you know, it's kind of like, nah, I can't go out and have a, an, a late night here or there. You kind of have to, and it pay, it does you suffer if you do, um, especially as you get older. Um, so I just think, yeah, it's kind of cool. yeah. Right. Like, so I don't know. It's been a fun experiment. I, I looked at it as uh, taking all the lessons learned when younger and, and being at a high level performance, the kind of things I should have done then that I'm now doing considering nutrition, mental health and, and physical well-being, we all know that there's only a certain level you can take your body physically to, but there's this incredible power behind the mind and, and what nutrition can do. And I think what happens as we age is that finesse of respecting all the areas that you have to look at. And that's what I think is the coolest part is, you know, uh, and I definitely don't play off on being the, the smartest with my nutrition at all points in times because we're all human. But <laughs> I definitely I think the neatest part here is learning that system again and, and what's what's the importance. So, um, yeah, we, I, the record was supposed to be done last year. Um, but when the pandemic hit, it obviously changed the course for a lot of athletes. And it was it was a really hard decision because obviously I'm not getting any younger. And with knowing the launch of the Neobank. Um, it is a lot of work and time <laughs> and there's been limitations on access to the velodrome in Milton, um, which is where I was back and forth when I could be, um, just to get the track. But luckily enough, like for the one hour record, you're just really following a black line on a flat surface. So I can get a lot of the work I need done on a trainer, um, which is really lonely. Uh, you know, I kind of joke to people like, I'm not the last, you know, me, I'm a social butterfly. So when people ask me, Oh, do you want to go out and do like a hundred K today or 200 K ride? And we're going out to like, you know, past like Wakefield and I can't really go out and do those. There's, there's no purpose. Like my engine, I don't want it to get conditioned to the long, the long distance stuff. So um, it's been a lonelier experience than I thought. Um, and it's kind of funny to be like when it's 28 degrees, I take my trainer and I put it on our back, back patio so at least I'm outside, but I'm still having to do trainer workouts because technically I'd be on a track. Right. So it's kind of like my efforts have to be there. And it's really important now that I'm in the finally, the last getting into that last chapter of training for the September date um, that's set. Um, it's more important now than ever to really get dialed in. So I had a, I was kind of joke. I think um, my last VO2 was probably my worst one. And that was a real hard setback. I've had improvement improvement increase increase and uh i you know i think covid and and all of the work and some sleepless like four hour nights for almost a month of dealing on some stuff when i went in to do my last vo2 test i was pretty exhausted going in and we had some positives that came out of it but when we sat down and looked at what where i was sitting it was like oh man like we have to pull you back a little bit and just get you back and back in the zone so I'm, uh, I'm bored out of my mind. I think you'd appreciate it. Like, I think my zone one went back like almost like 30 or 40 Watts. So like I'm, and he wants me to do a lot more in my zone ones just to get, just to bump that level. So I'm like, shoot me now. Like, it's just like, I'm sitting there. Like, I'm like, anybody want to talk? 
I'm like, I'm bored, but I'm pedaling and this is super easy. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my, oh my God. God. But zone threes are really easy. No. What's that? That's why I need to listen to my podcast episodes. <laughs> exactly. I could, and I could actually listen and focus. It's like, but yeah, anyways, that it's, yeah, it's been an awesome experience. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm very excited. I think, you know, regardless now of, you know, it is, it's really hard with a pandemic. I won't lie. Like I, I hats off to any of the athletes that are out there training for the Olympics and now hearing again from the Olympic committee that they might not go on this year and they're out there trying to think, well, am I qualifying for Tokyo? Am I not? Um, there still is a chance that I might not. What's that? Is that, is that, that, is that announcement new? Cause I was talking to, uh, uh, Kelsey Mitchell and the, she said, Tokyo is going on, but no, nobody else can enter besides people who live in Tokyo. That's yeah. it. Just That's athletes and residents. So what, what was spoken this week um, through the government chapters over in Tokyo, there was uh, like a call because the cases are rising internationally. And that includes where athletes coming in would be coming from. So like India, et cetera, et cetera, like in France, um, there is worry that even having people come in, will this create a resurgence and will we have a lot of sick athletes that we're going to have to take care of? Like they are concerned about, about that with being 99, I, th- I guess like under 99 days now, because this was two days ago. So 97 days away. Um, and that definitely has raised some concern and conversation for obviously all the different governing bodies. So I think, yeah, like any, any mention of, is it possible, is it going to not happen? Um, is a worry. And if with them still saying like, we're concerned for the athlete safety and yeah, uh, imagine if they did invite all the athletes in and within the first two weeks of the games, you've got 50% of them with COVID. And now you've got a whole wing over in Tokyo full of sick athletes, like, which would just be it'd be horrifying. Um, and then what do you do, right? Like everybody's got to get on a plane to get back home. They're not from the same country. So I think there's, obviously they're putting, we've seen that closed loop sports has worked, um, for the NBA and, and NHL, although mind you, like the, the Vancouver Canucks just had a, a huge outbreak with the variant, um, yeah. there, but so yeah, I just, what's that? They were being in Vancouver. That's, <laughs> uh, but I would imagine that any Olympic athlete who is training right now is not out in the public. Pretty much like that's yeah. Like they're in their, they're already in their bubble. Right. And I think that's where it's hard. Like Leah, like I'm talking to some of the gals that are on the team, like Ariane, um, my partner and I launched a virtual cycle mission, which has gone really well. I'll share some details on that. Cause it's, it's yeah. supporting can fund. And Ariane Banam, who's local, she's our first funded athlete. She got the $6,000 check from CanFund and it's neat kind of talking to her. And I think, yeah, like they're in the bubble, but they're still going into grocery stores. They're still having to go and and do certain things. So you just, you never know, right? Like it's obviously kind of keep your contact points, which Nick and I are doing the same thing. Like, I think it's for us, we, we stay within our close bubbles. And if we're meeting with anybody, it's outside in our backyard and we're appropriately distanced to have the conversation. Um, because you just have to do your part that way. But it's, yeah, uh, I, yeah I, I guess where Tokyo is coming from is like, yeah, the, the hundreds of athletes that would be coming in and just understanding and respecting what that means. So, but hopefully they have it all set up. Like it would be a shame to not see it go through. I think everybody's out there training really hard and they got postponed last year and 
I, I know how hard it is to try to train now, like, and try to be motivated for, please don't change the date. Like in my case, we've called it where we've got a plan A and there is a plan B should the physical event not actually get to take place in Aguascalientes. So the, the ability to possibly do it on Milton, not that it would be a world record time because it's not a fast track, but at least to do it and, right. and be there for the cause. Like now that there's the perfect, the perfect our podium docudrama series and that there's going to be funding going back to girls and women's sport. That's the real reason for me. So I think it's raising the awareness about girls and women's sports and what we can do to, to elevate that conversation more. So I I'll do my best no matter where I get to do the attempt. Obviously I have a, a, a plan a, which I hope really does go through. Um, but if there's not, there's the plan B. So it will, it will happen. Yeah. You'll be like, I just need to do this. I don't care where. <laughs> I just need to do it. It's going to happen. We're, this is the story. And you know what? And I think people will totally respect whether I get to do it in Aguascalientes or get to do it on a, you know, an esports trainer UCI Swift to first be the first female to do an esports um, UCI, which would be boring as heck. But, you know, again, it's, it's do, yeah. <laughs> the whip. The cowbells and the flappers. <laughs> come on, come on. Oh man. So, well, yeah, exactly. So hopefully like we see, like I'm supposed to go down to Los Angeles and train on the Los Angeles track, June, July, and August and be with my actual coaches and from there fly down. And the U S is obviously opening up a lot faster than we are. Um, they're getting vaccines deployed. So there is, there is the opportunity or the possibility because of being asked as a pro athlete to get down there. I might, if I haven't gotten my first shot here, hopefully I'll have had at least my first shot. I could get the second one when I'm down there um, and, and then go and train. So kind of the, that's the, the mapped out plan. Um, and it's also good for business because a lot of the merchants and the clients are down there. So kind of staying safe and um, staying strong. And, and at the same point in time, working on all of the great, the great stuff. Like I think the film, Steve's coming back to town next week. So we're starting to film the trailer. So that's really cool. Okay, so talk about, let's finish it up and talk about the, the whole video, um, the film wrapped around that's going to be on Amazon mm-hmm. and, and the purpose, like, you got the it. breaking, like, um, you know, breaking barriers with women's sport, because that is really becoming a hot topic. I don't know if you've read Catherine Bertin's, uh book. Stand? No. Okay, I'm writing oh. that one down. Just Google Stand on Amazon, uh, Catherine Burton, and it talks all about, uh, like, I'm just getting into it. Like, you will get into it because you're a female athlete in sport of cycling. Like, you'll be able to relate so much to her. She talks way back into, you know, 2005, um, her whole career in um, women's pro cycling and she's an activist for women, you know, um, for being paid properly. Yeah. And I'm, and I know, I know who Catherine is. So that's been, I definitely will take a look at that. And that's, that's yeah, that's perfect. But I think that's like thinking now, like like myself, like the women's collective, like her, like Catherine in the States that are all doing little things. The thing is that we need to, like bring us all together and and really you know push push the the message right and I think it's 
even yeah. other other women. So that's a whole like having your involvement and having Catherine's and reaching out like you know Clara Hughes. I definitely have her on the list to, to talk to. And I know there's there's so many more like the the team the teams that are out there right now. The women that are actually living it day by day, having their right now experience stories. So that's the the overall goal. Like when Steve um, Haining approached me, he's the owner of Creative. He's won some incredible awards. Um, he's a young producer. He's Canadian. Um, he's got a few docudramas right now on Amazon prime. Um, they approached him because of his work and said, look, if there's any other independent films, cause we're looking for good content, you do a good job. You're getting lots of followers. Um, what, what would you do next? So Steve phoned me and said, you know, I, he's been a friend like you, like for, you know, past a decade and, and just knowing about what I've been working on. And he said, I really think what you built up and what your purpose is has a story and there's other stories that could be a part of it. What are your thoughts? So that's where, you know, we started during the pandemic to have these kind of conversations and created the synopsis of um, bringing, bringing women particularly together and living off of their experiences is creating this storyboard that follows a young girl, you know, from day one to kind of like finishing going after breaking a world record. So it's looking at my life, but it's really, wanting the viewer to kind of put themselves in that person's shoe to say, wow, like this is the path and then filling in all these other stories. So, you know, we're talking to some incredible athletes and organizers and it's not just cycling. It's like women that are part of the WNBA to people that are part of the WNHL to um, women that are behind, you know, uh, like cause, right. Like being a part of the organizations to get more women into sport and coaching, um, talking on some of those heavy subjects. So the synopsis we presented to Amazon Prime um, for their approval to move forward uh, was really kind of touching each episode. There's six that we've developed in the synopsis and it's really looking at all these kind of topics that could branch off into their own seasons, to be honest. So the goal is, is to grow this and from that, receive the funding from the viewership from Amazon Prime and then create this fund to give back to girls and women. But you know, some of the subject matters that we're looking for and the, the right athlete and story will definitely be fitting in there. It's not about me. Um, touches on, you know, coming from poverty or coming from the, the Bronx kind of, right? Like, you know, lots of athletes come from nothing and they prevail. Um, those stories of resilience and, and perseverance um, and hitting those chords. The, the sexual misconduct in sport, like we've had the Team Canada Synchro this last year, USA Gymnastics, like, you know, needless to say. So, touching on those kind of concepts of what women have had to go through with body shaming and, um, and just that misconduct there talking about um, nutrition and high performance sport and, uh, you know, how we go differ. Like there's, um, I'm really hopeful. There's an incredible athlete. I just got introduced to getting a book written on her and she's the first Bohemian um, Olympic two time Olympic gold medalist. Um, and her story is like, it, it deserves, it actually deserves to be a movie. Like um, her name's Pauline um, um, David Tomlinson. And honestly, like I, I just ball every single time I listen to her story. She's what she's athlete. Powerful. She was athletics and she's actually on the world athletics committee. Um, and she's like, she's just remarkable. Like she came, she had like, her story is like, she had this side stride. Like she's a, she was on the four by four and the 100 and right. you know, little bohemian girl didn't come from much. And uh, she just like had the right coach, the right time, see this young girl have potential. And she went on to uh, a full scholarship ride in the US, 
back in the seventies and eighties, um, our eighties and, and full on, you know, I think it was in Alabama that she went like talk about race racism and being torn down. And she was the only black bohemian woman on the bohemian athletics team. They didn't even have any other women. And to be a female at that stage, that's athletic, right? Like not lanky and like voluptuous, like to have, to go in and be squatting and powerlifting. Like she was just a, she was a, she was strong. Like, oh, she's so awesome. Like I just like her story is, and that, and it passes. Like Claire's got a story. Silicon's got a story. We all have stories. And I think that's what the most part is, is we're all trying, as you said, to create and pave this way now for more girls. And that's the idea behind perfect or podium breaking records and barriers for girls and women in sport is, is really a collection of wanting to find others that want to share their story and, and get that message out there and and make a difference. Like, it's really about like what I love, what you just shared about this women's Canadian cycling collection or collective is, is how do we create a community, which is what we are and start to work together. And I think that's how we're going to beat the odds. And heck, I, I always love saying it. Women were very powerful force. It's just, it's just us getting to know each other and work, working together. Um, and I think now that we have the opportunity, it, it's, uh, you know, you got to grab it by the horns and do it. So that's my purpose. Like, I think I've got a, a real good reason to get out there and, and try to break a world record, but there's even something to follow suit that I think is going to have a really powerful, uh, a powerful mission for the rest of my life. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. And just cool. leads right into, you know, what you're doing, you know, um, that let the, um, athletica and yeah. all the, you know it's me you're doing for a reason <laughs> but, but uh, you know if there's a need for it and I love and you know I love the, what you're doing Angela and it's it's really bringing a lot of purpose and if I can do anything like with my podcast to help um you know as my viewership grows and I'm going for number one by the way um um, yeah and just bringing on amazing women like yourself uh amazing men too in the world of cycling um that's what it's all about it's just all things cycling um because there's there's stories to be had everywhere and um people we need to know about um a lot of you know a lot of the the episodes have different you know meanings behind them you know whether it's um, you know, cycling for suicide or, you know, having eating disorders as a high level athlete, but, you know, and they all come together with a great story at the end, but so yeah, awesome. Let's bring this to an end because I mean, we could chat a lot. As yeah. It's been a long time. It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we got lots that we could share. <laughs> like, you know, catch up, but um, I just want to thank you so much. Like, so I'm going to put this out there. After you've done your like your um your world record, um, we need to have you back on here. Absolutely, I'm totally for that, and it will be live streamed. So if you got if you want to throw like a live stream party and we'll get some some stuff going, I can obviously that will all be taking place. So there you go, you can have a virtual or a big party. <laughs> yeah, because you know I'll get my club involved too because. I mean, over a hundred women on bikes who are 40 and above. I love um, it. Love it. You know, that 
would really grab like would really probably be interested in what you're doing so super cool on that, but we have so let's make sure that i'm on that email list all right well thank you thanks angela thank you to our thanks, um oh thanks yeah um I'd love to know what your biggest takeaway was, or maybe multiple takeaways from Angela. Um, and also, let's not forget to put on those notifications so you don't miss great episodes like this. Because like I said, I haven't, actually, I have Ariana Benham on. I'm going to be interviewing her. Yeah, awesome. Well, she's a local gal, so that's perfect. Say hi to her. <laughs> I will. And uh, so... So yeah, so make sure you have your notifications on because you don't want to miss these episodes. And also, Angela and I would just absolutely love five stars and an amazing review. So I think you have to go to Apple for that. Mm -hmm, probably. Sure. But I think Apple's where you put up the review. So we would love, Angela and I would love a five star and a review. And so you better stay tuned, Angela, on all her social media platforms to stay tuned and watch, look, all those pictures of her training hard. <laughs> yeah. Follow my crazy stories. I can, and I can post, you have to share all of your upcoming okay. shows. So what I can do is do a shout out so I can remind people that are following me um, uh, to, to listen to you because I think that what you're doing is fantastic. Oh, so uh, I'll put yeah. up. Yeah, I have, uh, I'll, I'll send you um, just a picture. But with that, everybody, have an amazing day. And uh, we can't wait to see you on the next podcast coming out. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast. Learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.